0: To learn how to pray is to learn how to talk to god and strengthen that relationship and and i mean think of it in any other way like think about your relationships at school at work your romantic and your platonic friendships like imagine if the way you talk to your friends was like reading from a book like and then you had like a routine and you know you read from the book and they don't respond and nothing else um i think it's really important to pray in your voice using your words which is why I, i really find um the leniency and the openness of Coptic prayer are really beautiful.
1: My name is Adela Kochav.
0: And I'm Mariam Waba.
1: We are the Daughters of Diaspora. And this is Americanish. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Americanish. On Valentine's Day, we released what we're calling our love special, where we talked about all aspects of love and relationships, romantic or otherwise. And because this is American-ish, we couldn't help but talk about God's love for us and his creations. So we dug through Bible verses, discussed what it means to love and to be loved unconditionally, and we even wondered out loud what it means to talk to God, and is that the same thing as prayer?
0: And as we often do, we asked you guys if you'd like to hear more about how different religions and cultures pray and talk to God, and if those two things are even the same. We heard back from many of you. Some of you said that praying and talking to God are two separate things, while others argued that praying is talking to God. So we're going to break it all down and get to the bottom of this. But before we get to the big question of this episode, we want to talk a little bit about how both of our religions, Adela being a Sephardic Jew and I being a Coptic Christian, pray and or talk to God. We will break down this episode into three parts. First what is prayer in our respective faiths and how do we both understand it as individuals second what does tradition and scripture say and third do we think that prayer is the same thing as talking to god Um, and that's going to be the core question for this episode um adela i want to start with you tell me a little bit about prayer in judaism and what is the big picture Great. So the big
1: picture in Judaism is about prayer three times a day, and it's a service of the heart, as we say, as in it shouldn't be that you're praying because God commanded you to, you should be praying because you truly want to deep down in your heart. Uh, but how did we get to these three prayers a day? And all of it actually comes from the evolution of prayer in Jewish scripture through the Bible. And the way that the three prayers were instituted was through the three forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Each one of them prayed at a different time of day. So that was instituted, and we pray at different kinds of days. And um, if, if you're Jewish, you know that we have an Amidah, a silent prayer. So we ask, how did that come to be? Um, and then we fast forward to the 11th century BCE with Hannah. So Hannah, Hannah, who ended up giving birth to Samuel, Shmuel, Um, she really wanted a child. She was being taunted by her fellow concubine and because of that, she went to the temple and she was quiet and she was swaying and she was praying with this intense concentration. To the point that the high priest, the Kohen, thought that she was drunk. So they looked at her and they're like, (laughs) you can't pray drunk. How dare you? And she was like, I'm not drunk. I'm just really concentrated. Like I'm praying from my heart. And that's when they're like, huh, maybe that's a good idea. Maybe a woman innovated something. Maybe we should pray silently and have concentration. So that was the next change to prayer in Judaism. And then there was David's Psalms. he wrote 150 songs, exaltations, and prayers, which we have incorporated into daily prayer. Um, and like I said, ideally, you should be praying from your own heart, but um, there is an idea of Lashon HaKodesh, which is the elevation of prayer through uh, Hebrew, the, the the holy language. And when we were in Babylonia in the second century BCE, um, actually, sorry, in, in the fourth century BCE, um, the issue is that a lot of people didn't speak Hebrew. So um, the scripture, the Ezra, the scribe, wrote down set texts in Hebrew for people to be able to say that in Hebrew and to be able to pray in Hebrew. And in the second century BCE, um, that was actually solidified and the prayers themselves were officially written down. Um, the second biggest part of prayer in Judaism is communal prayer. So you pray if you're a man in a minion, which means 10 men together pray. So what does prayer look like in Judaism? It's supposed to come from the heart, but we have this three times a day, 10 men in a room praying together um, in these set blessings. And the way that the blessings in the silent prayer are organized are through praising and then asking and then thanking. Because of course, when you're, you're praying, and, and we're gonna talk about this of course later, there's really no response to you, right? So like if you are asking God for something or if you are thanking God for something or or whatever it is, you're not really hearing back. So we make sure to get all three parts. You get praise, ask, and then think. So if you have a parent, for example, it's something along the lines of like, Hey mom, you look so pretty today. Thank you for giving me everything that you give me. Can I please go play with my friends? Thank you for being so wonderful. And then you run out the door and your mom's just kind of like, (laughs) did I answer? Like what? But, um, that is how we have structured prayer when it comes to the Jewish faith. And it is a, a set text, uh, that we pray nowadays from a book called the sidor. Um, So that's prayer in Judaism in a nutshell. Um, what about you? How does prayer look in Coptic Christianity? What is and what is not prayer?
0: I really love that breakdown of, you know, uh, what is it? Thanking, asking. What Can you remind me of it? Yeah. Praising, th- asking, thanking. That's right. That's great. That's just like a good thing <laughs> to remember, honestly, for all parts of life. Um, Okay, what is prayer in the Coptic tradition? How is it defined? So I'll tell you what prayer is by telling you what it's not. Um, So prayer and and you know, this seems a little ridiculous to say, but I I think we have to say it is that prayer is not a request for material things because God is not Santa Claus. Unfortunately, Um, prayer (laughs) should not be should not be like our go to for asking for our material needs because it it creates an empty routine uh, where we pray words that we don't mean. And we only go to God when, um, we're in a sticky situation. And and we'll talk about this a little bit later on too, but like ask yourself, when do you find yourself having the most, um, you know, routine prayer schedule? And if the answer is usually when I'm in a hard spot in life, then Mm. you kind of need, we, you and I need to, Take a, take a step back on how we pray and reassess, because if we're only praying when we need something or when, when we need God or feel like we need God, I feel like there's a lot of um, questions we must ask ourselves. Um, and that leaves us like, what is prayer? And, and there's a couple different ways that the Coptic church looks at prayer. Um, first and foremost, prayer is communion with God. Um, so obviously we take communion in the church every Sunday. But being in communion with God is uh, our way of worshiping God and and having that line of communication open. And the subjective here is to be standing in front of God, enjoying and spending that time with him. Um, there's a couple of uh, church fathers that um, have really thought about what prayer is and, you know, Um, the Coptic church is the founder of monasticism, which is, you know, going out into the desert and praying for the rest of life. Um, so I, I feel like we're pretty, we have a pretty good grasp on praying. Um, St. Isaac, the Syrian says that when we talk with the heart, that is when we are praying. And I want to break down what he really means by that. And I think he means that prayer requires almost a completely focused mind. Um, St. Mark, when he wrote his gospel, he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That is your first commandment. Um, And that's really hard. Like people tell you about how difficult it is to meditate, how to clear your mind um, and think of nothing else or or rather think of nothing. Um, So imagine trying to clear your mind and think of nothing and then open a line of communication before a deity, uh, with a deity. Um, and then I'll come back to these church fathers that have really helped me understand what prayer is and how to approach it as an individual. And here's kind of where I see a lot of the beauty of Americanish and why I love doing this every week with you, Adela, is that these things have meaning on their own, right? Like we can sit here and read Bible verses all day long, um, but the tricky part and the important part is realizing and figuring out for ourselves what they mean in the modern world, um, So what does it mean for a young Jew, a Jewish man living in New York that has a nine to five job to pray three times a day? Like are those two things compatible? Is there a way to make them compatible? Um, So father Gregory of Nicaea says that prayer is a heart to heart forever active on God's part. Excuse me. A prayer is a heart to heart talk forever active on God's part, forever slow on ours. Both parties call and both respond. However, the initiative is always God's. Second, St. Macarius the Great uh, declares that we ought to pray neither according to any bodily habit, nor with a habit of loud noise, nor out of a custom of silence or on bending knees. But we ought to soberly have an attentive mind, waiting expectingly on God until he comes and visits the soul by means of all its openings and its paths and senses. Um, obviously, there's a lot to unpack there, but I, I can't help but think about the revival that we talked about last mm. a couple of weeks ago um, and and you know exploring what it means to pray in an animated way um, what do you think? yeah so I, I in in judaism we we do
1: in a way pray in an animated way we're we're kind of like choreographed, we all stand up at the same time, we all sit down at the same time, we all call out at the same time, we both stay quiet at the same time and it's kind of like a choreography is the way best way to to describe it because there's uh there's set things that we do at certain times but but from this verse that you just read or or from this quote, it sounds like that's that's not really like you you guys aren't into the like feel it in your soul and dance and go to the ground and cry to God and like put your arms in the air as you look up in tears. Like it doesn't really sound very animated. Like when, when I think of like true pray over the heart, I feel like, like, I don't know why, like I imagine like everyone singing together. I imagine a revival. I imagine like what we spoke about on that episode, like everyone together singing out in song and someone cries on the ground. Like that's what I imagine. So that doesn't seem like it's Coptic prayer.
0: No, certainly not. Um, And we'll have to take, oh my God, we have to take Adela to a Coptic church, guys. All the cops (laughs) of New York will unite. Um, I I wouldn't call our prayer animated. I think there are animated moments, but generally speaking, um, you know, the Coptic church keeps the orthodox part of orthodoxy. Um, So we have some things. So, for example, during, you know, saying the creed uh, in which you're announcing your Christianity to yourself, to the church, to the world, uh, you know, we believe in one father, blah, blah, blah. um, You'll kind of will hold our hands out open. And I I know some Judaic prayers will do that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wouldn't necessarily say that uh, the Coptic church prayer services are, are rather animated. I would call them pretty dull, in fact.
1: So it's it's funny you say that because when I see Ashkenazi Jews, like what they do is like they harmonize. Like if you walk into an Ashkenaz church, like everyone's like harmonizing together. And it's like, oh, seriously? And I, me and my Sephardic <laughs> friends are like, this is weird. Why is everyone harmonizing? But at the same time, at a Sephardic church, we're way more bodily about it. So like for example, the Torah mm-hmm. they parade it around before they start reading from it. And like at Sephardic church, like charges, lol. At Sephardic synagogues, they parade the the Torah around and like they hold it up and like everyone like blows kisses at it and like it, it's just like a really beautiful situation and, and the opening of the hands that's literally like that's a Sephardic thing there, there are certain prayers where we open our hands we say like yadecha, open your hands but Sephardim do that when they every Shabbat when they do the prayer over the bread so like all of us like go yadecha, and everyone opens their hands together and now Ashkenazi people make fun of us they're like oh you're Sephardic like "Oh, yadecha. and I'm like you know what it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to feel it heart soul body 100% um,
0: hundred hundred percent. Wait, have you ever been to a Quaker church? I have not been to a okay. Quaker, at least to my knowledge, I have not been to a Quaker church. Tell I me why have, you ask.
1: I have okay a fun side tangent. Um, I took a class called the cultural nature of language. It was a linguistic anthropology class at NYU. This is literally like my freshman year seminar, so I had no idea what college was or why I was even in this class. But ultimately, as part of our final exam, um, we went to a Quaker Church. And I didn't know much about Quakers, but the whole idea is that they don't have a prayer service. So you show up and you usually they give like some opening remarks and then everyone just sits in silence. And like the silence could last for for as long as as long as people want it to. So so when I went, it was like maybe like 15, 20 minutes of just like sitting in pure silence, which is very weird. And everyone's just like kind of sitting there quiet. And then hmm. people are are inspired. So then suddenly someone will feel the urge to speak. And they just stand up and they speak and then they sit back down and then usually there's more silence and then someone else on the other side will feel inspired and they'll stand up and they'll speak and then they'll sit back down and i swear what they to god say? That it, whatever it is whatever it is they were inspired to say so i ended up being inspired at one point it was very weird right? i was like i am jewish i'm not sure why i'm here i didn't say that when i stood up but out of nowhere i just felt the urge to speak and i, I thought that was like the most interesting quote-unquote, prayer service, because it wasn't really prayer. It was just more like communal meditation, and then someone gets inspired to speak. And it was very different from, like, Jewish prayer. Like, we're talking about Coptic prayer and how it's not super animated. I'm talking about Jewish prayer, how, like, we're reading from a book and we have a prayer service. Quakerism just did not have a structure. It was just sit in silence and then be inspired to speak. And in a way, like, I felt like they were connecting way more Mm – than I was, but that that's I, again, I, I digress, but it just, I don't know why it came to mind just now, but that was probably the the weirdest prayer ritual I've ever been to.
0: I have to know what you were inspired to say. Please tell me I'm dying to know. No, I don't remember what it was exactly, but it was something along the oh, lines Adela. of like, I'll
1: tell you, I'll tell t- I do remember like along the lines, I said something along the lines of like, I'm an outsider and this is my first service, but I, I feel compelled to thank everyone for receiving us with open arms for the Quaker friends. I don't even know. I just like listed things I was thanking for. And in a way it was, it's kind of similar to, to Jewish prayer, mm-hmm. right? We, we have the, the Thanksgiving part of it. Um, it was very interesting. Yeah. You just kind of feel inspired. There's, there's one in Manhattan. We can go want to go.
0: We should definitely go. We should definitely explore Quakerism if that's the right <laughs> even word. Um, that is so fascinating to me because this whole episode is trying to understand how people talk to god and yeah. what it means to talk to god um so just you know sitting in silence for 15 minutes until you feel some sort of inspiration dawned abo- upon you to to say something or feel something um that's a really interesting way to communicate with a deity it's very interesting i mean for us at like
1: again like we just have three structured times a day like three times a day we pray what what about in in, in coptic tradition like how many times are you supposed to pray
0: Right. So there's a group of Oriental Orthodox Christian churches. So uh, we can do a whole other episode breaking down, you know, the Oriental Christian churches and the Eastern Christian churches and the Western Christian churches. And we can get really into the nitty gritty of that. But to just keep it short, there's Uh, seven Oriental Orthodox Christian churches that belong to the Oriental family. So those include the Coptic Church, the Armenian Church, the Syriac Church, and the Indian Church, um, just to name a few. Um, So the Oriental family, as well as certain Oriental Protestant denominations, uh, use what... um, Use a liturgical book such, an igbeya, such as an Igbea or Shihimu, which I'm familiar with the Igbea because it's what the Coptic Church uses, but mm-hmm. I actually have never heard of the Shihimu, I hope I'm saying that properly, uh, before doing research for this episode. And the Igbeya is supposed to guide you in praying during the canonical hours, which is seven times a day, four, seven times a day oh and God. you're supposed to do... I know, it's intense. We got, we got the Jews beat, we got the Muslims beat on how many times we're supposed to pray a day. <laughs> um, and of course, you're, you're supposed to be doing these prayers facing eastward um, in preparation for the second coming of Christ. Um, and that practice of facing east has its roots in Psalms, which we won't get into. But uh, the prophet David prayed to God seven times a day. And therefore, we pray to God seven times a day. Um, we really practically, what here. does that mean? Yeah, I know. Three times a day is not bad, and and we'll get into a little bit about the the double standard for women and men in Judaic pray uh, praying in a bit. But um, I do want to point that point out that while you know we're technically supposed to pray seven times a day, um, if you ask me, do I think most Christians pray seven times a day, or most even Coptic Christians pray seven times a day? Um, and I think the simple answer is no. And we can get into the nitty-gritty and, and you know, Count is, is praying on the train on my way to work, just saying a few quick words to, to God, Count is praying, because if so, then I could probably squeeze in seven quick prayers a day. But if we're talking about opening a, a liturgical book and doing all the prayers of the hours, um, then I think the simple answer is no. Um, what about you? What does that three times a day look like for men and
1: women? Um, So really quickly, I just want to say I'm I'm in law school for everyone listening and literally today in my professional responsibility class, which is ethics for lawyers, we were talking about billable hours and we're like, okay, like if you're mowing your lawn or like if you're on the train and you just happen to think of, like, the way that you're structuring your argument for a client. Is that a billable hour? And then it would open up this, like, whole discussion. So it's funny that you're talking about that, like, what's a billable hour for prayer? Like, can you, can you say, like, I prayed? Like, can you can you bill that hour to God and be like, hey, I prayed. I got one of my seven in. Like, can you? I don't know. That's a great question. But um, so those three times a day. So I said that um, in Judaism, you pray three times a day. So there's shaharit, which is in the morning, mincha, which is in the afternoon, and then you have arbit, which is at night. A lot of people join Manhattan and beat around sunset, and they kind of like two birds, one stone it, which is really smart for them to do. Um, and of course, like life gets in the way. It's actually funny, in, in Deal, uh, the town I live in, in New Jersey, there's actually a bus they call the, the Syrian bus that goes every day from Deal to Manhattan and Manhattan and back to Deal. It's like the commuter bus. And they say shaharit uh, in the morning on the way to Manhattan, and they say Manchat and beat. In the afternoon, so like you know, prayer finds a way in the modern life. But um, women are not obligated to play, pray three times a day. So women are actually only obligated to pray once a day. And, and the reason why is because of this concept called mitzvata zeshmanagarama, which means a positive time-bound commandment. And the idea behind it is that women, for certain cyclical reasons are not always available to be doing things that are time bound. So you can't command women to do something that they may not be available to do for one reason or another. If you catch my drift, mainly childbirth and whatnot um, and rearing children and everything that comes with that. So we become exempt or we have a certain leniency. So women do not comprise a minion. So it's 10 men comprise a minion. Women do not. And um, it's interesting because women should still try to pray three times a day, but we, we're in no way obligated to pray three times a day. And when I got into Cardozo, which is the law school of Yeshiva university, I said, great, this is God sending me a message. It's my time to to pray every day. That's it. Like he, he's basically handing it to me on a platter. So there was a, a minion, a prayer chat. So I joined the prayer chat and I show up to the room at the time it was supposed to happen. And there's like these religious guys in there and they're like, Hey, we're using the room. And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm here to pray. And they're like, oh, okay. And like, I was so out of place and I just like kind of sat in the back and I'm like, is there like, you know, the traditional partition between men and women? And they're like, oh no, we don't have one of those. And I was like, okay. And like the other religious guys started coming in and they all like, were looking at me like, what's she doing here? And I was like, oh my God, I'm so uncomfortable. And then, um, after we finished praying, like I I walked out of there and I stopped going and a friend came up to me and he's like, you know, you should really, like, come back. And I was like, look, like, I'm not obligated to pray with a minion. It's fine. I'll just, like, pray on my own in the library. Like, you guys do your thing. I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable without the partition. So that was kind of, like, the end of it, I thought, in my head. And then a week later, these two religious guys I'd never really spoken to in my life came up to me and they're like, Hey, like we think it's like really a shame that you don't come to pray because we don't have the partition. To be honest, we never really had a girl interested in coming to our daily prayer. So we never really had one, but you know, we, we actually ordered one on Amazon. It should get here next week. And you should feel not only welcome, but you, you should feel comfortable coming to Minyan every day. We want you to come. And That was the sweetest thing. It was the sweetest thing. So now fast forward a year later, we do have a Mahitza. I'm still the only woman that goes, but I feel very comfortable going. And the issue is that they were extremely unorganized. They never had like a set room for the prayer. They're like, Hey, are we praying today? They're like, yeah, sure. And there'd be a searching for empty rooms. And I'm like, guys, like just reserve a room online. And for some reason, no one would get anything done. So I decided to self appoint myself as the minion chair for Cardozo, um, I decide I'm like the minion mom and I reserve the rooms for them. And I'm basically their secretary and I coordinate prayer times and I'm a girl and I'm not obligated to even be there. And most of the time I'm not, I, I try to go a couple times a week. A lot of the time I can't, but end of the day, it makes me feel connected and it enables them to pray in a comfortable way. So in a way it's like, I'm getting their points, you know?
0: Yeah, that is such a sweet story. I was really expecting it to take a very misogynistic turn and kind of excluding you from praying, but I'm really glad it didn't. And I'm so glad they. Yeah, shout out to those guys for ordering that on Amazon. And shout out to Amazon for having that separation. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just a curtain, by the way. They, they literally Oh, just, is it? They just bought a curtain. <laughs> it's the Adela curtain. It's funny. It's, like, literally in the back
1: corner of the room. And, like, you just, like, walk in and there's, like, a curtain in the back. And, like, I just sit there and, like, I
0: poke my head out. And I'm like, hey, guys. Like, hi. The <laughs> Adela corner. <laughs> and it, I, it does not surprise me that you took that initiative yeah. and, like, you know, became the, the minion mom. That is such an Adela and Mariam thing to do. Like, mm-hmm. something needs to be done. Nobody's doing anything about it. We're going to fix it. Like, I'm going to take charge and do this. Um, I My elevator in my building went out a couple of months ago. I'm going to put my building on blast right now, but <laughs> it went out and nobody was doing anything about it and I live on floor 12, so it's not like I can, you know, go up yeah, real quick. It takes me like 15 minutes to get up the stairs. Um and nobody was doing anything about it. We weren't organized and I just got so frustrated one day. So I spent like an hour making posters and I put them on every floor in the building so that people can see mm-hmm. it and I put like my phone number and I was like Please text me so we can make a group chat, so we can organize, we can unionize, and we can take a stand against the elevator not working and nobody doing anything about it. And it took me such a long time to go up and down the stairs and put them up, but I felt so empowered. So that story just reminded me of how, uh, you know, it's very Americanish and it's very, very Adele and Mariam to see something wrong and, and do something about it. Did it work, though? Um Oh, absolutely. Now we have like a 40 person group chat. Now we have like an email chain. I'm, I'm all about accountability and holding people accountable. Um, so back to prayer for a sec, you know, and talking about, you know, the seven day, seven times a day for cops, three times a day for Jewish men, one time a day for Jewish women. Um, I want to bring us back to the core of this episode and the core of this conversation and this big question we're trying to answer is talking to God the same thing as praying? Is praying talking to God? So that's a really good question. And and it's kind of like, it kind of made me
1: sad when we when we started prepping for this episode, because I realized that at least the way that Judaism has has been for me, a lot of the time when I'm praying, I don't feel like I'm talking to God. I feel like it's between like classes, if I'm going in the afternoon or like It's kind of like, like, like you said, actually, in the quote that you read earlier, it's kind of like empty going through the motions and I'm supposed to feel connected, but for some reason I don't, for some reason I don't a lot of the time and prayer doesn't actually feel like I'm speaking to God. And a lot of it's because the prayer is in Hebrew, which is a language that's not native to me. And a lot of the times the prayer is archaic. Like I I actually, I asked, um, one of my Jewish day school teachers this, and I'm like, why am I praying for the dew of the earth? This sounds very odd. It's not something I would ever ask for. It doesn't seem natural to me. Why am I praying for this? And she said, well, you're actually asking for sustenance. And I was like, oh, well, then why can't I just pray for sustenance? And she said, well, you should and you can. And I said, what do you mean? And she said that the 18 prayers or 19, depending on who you follow. But the 18 prayers that we have in the silent Amidah, she said to use it as an outline. So she said, you don't have to necessarily say the specific words that are written there but what you can do is follow the reverse outline, right? There's always a blessing about health. There's a blessing about Jerusalem. There's a blessing about, um, you know, the sustenance and about productivity. And there's, there's a blessing for each individual thing. There's a blessing for your blessings to be heard. And, um, she said that you, you can use that as a rubric and really pray for it in a way that is meaningful to you. Um, and I really like that, which is, it's funny cause I don't always love the answers I get from Jewish day school, they, they didn't do a great job answering questions growing up, but, but that answer I really liked because um, I guess it, it's more like, like if we go back to like why the prayer was written down in the first place, it's because people were forgetting it. They didn't know how to speak Hebrew. They didn't know how to say it. They didn't know what to say. So they kind of gave them an aid. And then we as a community canonized the aid without reminding people that the aid is supposed to be an aid and prayer should be talking to God. And and for me, the, the one time I do feel I'm talking to God is is when I say Shema, which is a prayer we say at night. We say it multiple times a day, but I, I always say it before I go to bed. And it literally means listen. And like you're calling out to God. And um, in that prayer, I really do feel something special. You say Shema, and then I, I think about my day. And then I think about my day to come. And um, something I'm grateful for, I think about my family. That's that's really where I feel like I'm talking to God, that the Shema prayer. And I don't know if it's because it's at night. I don't know if it's because it's the time of day that it is and my day already passed. But for some reason, that feels like a real prayer to me. What, what does, does
0: Shema mean? consist of? Like, what does the prayer say? Uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's a great question. So Shema, actually, um, it's, it's consists of like three main parts. But the beginning is Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. Which is listen Israel, which is the name that um, Jacob has in the Torah. Um, God is our our master and God is one. And it's a proclamation. and mm-hmm. and then after that, you go into three different parts uh, where you just continue the blessing. And it, it's kind of like the the declaration that God is our one and only, God and um, it's it's like the core of Judaism. It's the the core idea of Judaism. Actually, you know the mezuzah. When you walk into a door, you know how there's a, a thing hanging. Inside yep. the mezuzah scroll is Shema. That's um. the only thing inside a mezuzah is a scroll that contains the Shema. It's it's a prayer so central. You say it during the morning prayer, the afternoon prayer, and the evening prayer, and uh, you also say when you go to sleep. So it's just such a central prayer and. Um, for some reason, and that one, actually we, we do say with our eyes closed, some people just cover Mm. their eyes, but my tradition and my my family's tradition was always, you go like this with three fingers, which makes a shim, Mm. which is the first letter of Shema. And you close your eyes and you say it with your right hand. And it's, I don't know why, maybe it's the, the bodily ritual of it. Maybe it's the time of day, but for some reason I feel connected there.
0: When you were telling me about Shema, am I saying it right? Shema? Shema. Um, it wasn't actually the first time I've heard about this prayer. Um, I've heard a couple people pointed out to me as one of their favorite prayers. And actually one of them was a Christian. Um, Mm -hmm. and he said that he really admires and appreciates the Shema because it's such, it gets down to the core of praying. It gets down to the core of talking to God in a very like empowering way. A lot of times when we're talking to God, um, you know, we're his creation. Um, all of us are. So it's hard to feel empowered when you're talking to God. But a lot of the prayers we do in a lot of our scripture, at least in Christian scripture, tells us, like, you should feel empowered because you are his creation. He made mm-hmm. you, therefore you should in, in his image. Um, so you should feel empowered by that. Um, in asking myself this question, is talking to God the same thing as praying? I, I couldn't help but recall a few instances I've had uh, with Coptic priests. So as some of you know, a Coptic Christians among other other Christians and other churches have this thing called confession you go to your priest you have a designated priest that you build a relationship with over time and you confess all your sins to him and he's supposed to kind of be the middleman between you and God and guide you through One, uh, you know, accepting your sins and forgiving yourself and asking God for forgiveness, helping you not commit those sins again, and kind of help you grow spiritually. Um, And in one of my confessions, I kind of was was really angry at God that week. I'm not going to lie. I was very, very angry with God for a couple different reasons. And I was telling the priest that, like, I talk to God all the time. I pray to God all the time. Mm -hmm. But why isn't he talking back? Like, I need to hear him. I need to feel him. I need to know he's listening because I was so frustrated. And he was saying, like, okay, so how are you talking to God? Like, are you sitting down and talking to him? Are you telling God good morning? Are you, you know, leaning on him towards all throughout the day, telling him your worries and fears? Or are you kind of doing the motions and you're reading from the Igbaya or another part of... Uh, any other part of scripture. And to my dismay, uh, I was doing the latter and I was going through the motions of mm-hmm. prayer as opposed to actually sitting down and, and thinking about my connection to God and how I'm speaking to him. Um, so I'll ask myself that question again, is talking to God the same thing as praying? And And I'll be bold enough to say that talking to God is praying yeah. and praying is talking to God. And I think it all comes down to how your faith instructs you to pray. But for me, on my spiritual and and religious journey. um, To learn how to pray is to learn how to talk to God and strengthen that relationship. And and, I mean, think of it in any other way. Like, think about your relationships at school, at work, your romantic and your platonic friendships. Like, imagine if the way you talk to your friends was like reading from a book, like, and then you had like a routine and, you know, you read from the book and they don't respond and nothing else. Um, I think it's really important to pray in your voice using your words, which is why I really find... Um, the leniency and the openness of Coptic prayer are really beautiful. Um, and I'll kind of end off here with this question that's been haunting me is like, when. What if God doesn't talk back? (laughs) What do we do? Like, I'm praying to God for eight, six months, a year, years at a time. And what if I don't hear him back? What if he's not answering those prayers? Um, And it's a heavy question and it's the one I don't expect us to have an answer to right now, but I kind of just want to put that out there and ask everybody listening, like, have you ever had a time where you prayed to God or, or thought you were praying or talking to God and it doesn't feel like he's talking back very much?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's actually a really great question. And it's, it's one of that thing, the things I think of when all the way at the beginning that we said that, um, in Judaism, prayer is supposed to be a service of the heart, which is, um, we believe that God doesn't need our prayers, but prayers are for us to be able to connect with him. And, and we say also like in, in Jewish history, there's this idea that there was this propensity towards idol worship. And that, you know, all Jews, all people had this need to worship idols. And we've replaced that, that worship, that, that part of worship, um, with korbanot, which is of course, ritual offerings. And nowadays we don't have korbanot, we don't have ritual offerings, we don't have the temple. And so instead in the times that those ritual offerings were given, which were the times that the forefathers prayed, those are the times that we pray. So it's, it's kind of like this, this idea. So you have to go back if, okay, if we're praying because They're in place of ritual offerings. What is the purpose of ritual offerings? And every Jewish posse, every Jewish commentary pretty much agrees that God doesn't need our ritual offerings. The offerings are for us to have a way to connect with God. So to prayer is not because God needs our prayers. It's because we need to pray to God for us to be able to connect. And there's a lot of ways to connect with God that might not necessarily be through prayer. So I think the question is, well, what if God doesn't talk back? The way I see it, at least, is he doesn't have to because it's it's mm. for us. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. Wow,
0: Adela. Yeah, so, that truly does. That's a very good answer. <laughs> he doesn't have to. He sure does not. But it would be nice if he did. It would be nice if he know? did. It'd be nice yeah. if he did. I,
1: I, we said earlier, like God's not Santa Claus. Would it be kind of dope if he was? You know? Yo, can I can I get me some you know Barbie holiday Barbie twenty. 20- <laughs> 2008 special and then next thing you know like there's a tree and there's a barbie like that'd be really cool but alas um you know it's it's a little bit harder than that when it comes to prayer and when it comes to god and to these questions of faith so if he's not answering are we still speaking
0: mm, amen i want to leave it there that's a great note to end on um if if you're listening and you are part of a religion or a culture or a tradition that has a unique way of talking to god or praying please reach out let us know we're really interested by this topic and i think um, I don't know if there's a right way to talk to God or to pray, but I think um, the different ways that people do it, there's there's a uniqueness to it that is really special. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us on American-ish. We'll see you guys next week.